We are going to be in Zechariah 11 this morning, continuing in our series through Zechariah. And we, it's been, when you read Zechariah, if you haven't been with uh, us through the whole thing, then you should go back and read it. Um, a lot of imagery. You have the visions at the very beginning, the night visions for Zechariah. And again, we, we keep reiterating uh, the prophets were raised up. God used them uh, to call his people back to himself. And, and God does that through his word. God is revealing uh, himself to us uh, by his word. He's, he's showing who he is. He's showing his, his characteristics, his attributes, um, every bit of his being through his word. Now, there's still mysteries to God, right? Like in, in youth group, one of the questions was, how do we know that God wasn't created? It's like, well, we know he wasn't created. The word says it. And it's like, but trying to wrap our finite minds around an, an infinite thing is, is impossible, right? We can't understand it to its fullest. But God has revealed what he wants for us from his word, how he wants us to know him and love him and worship him, how he wants us to interact and care for and love one another, how he wants us to turn from our wrathful nature that we are born into because of the fallenness of the world and, and focus on him and repent and turn toward him. He's shown us how the world is, is going to crumble and to fall and it's going to wither away. Everything that the world has to offer will wither away. He's, he's told us and shown us how he's going to come back, but he's not revealed when he will do it. So God's word is so important. And, and the prophets were raised up to do this very task, to call God's people to himself, just as his word does when we read it. And what we do when we gather is to encourage one another and edify one another, build one another up for the glory of God and for the sanctification of the saints. So as we do that this morning, we look at this passage in Zechariah 11. We've got three points I want us to, to think about, and that's that wrath is coming, reform the ways, and rest in the good shepherd. So we looked at chapter 10 last week, and we, we looked at um, the good shepherd and Jesus, and that Jesus was going to be the shepherd to come and, and to, to come. And uh, verse 3 of chapter 10, it says, My anger is hot against the shepherds, and I will punish the leaders. The shepherds, the leaders, were not doing what they were supposed to do. They were not leading God's people. Instead, they were leading them to wrath. And, and chapter 11 gives us a little bit more of that imagery, that the wrath is coming. They needed to reform their ways and rest in the good shepherd. They, they need to turn to God, right? We talked about idols last week and how we turn to idolatry. And that's anything or anyone we place before God himself. And we can't do that, right? It's sin. It's wrong. And it's something that we continue to do. Every single one of us in our life, we are placing something before God. Whether it be ourselves or someone we idolize or something we idolize. So I want us to think about those points. Wrath is coming. Reform the ways and rest and the good shepherd. Let's be in an attitude of prayer before we go any further. Father God, thank you for this morning that we could come in the presence of one another and you, our God, and just praise you and worship you, exalt your name, and proclaim your word. God, I pray that you would penetrate our hearts and that we would be changed and, and made into the likeness of Christ. God, I pray that we would, we would leave here reflecting on the fact that wrath is coming. You were gracious, you were always gracious, but there will be a day of judgment. And I pray that we would remember that. I pray that, that we would not forsake that truth. God, I pray that that truth would remind us of the urgency of sharing the gospel. God, for us, your people, your church, your bride, Lord, I pray that we would reform our ways and not just be a part and, and a part of the visible church, 
But God, that we would be members of the invisible church, your, your bride, literally. And God, I pray that we would rest in the good shepherd, our Lord Jesus. Father, would you just lead us in this time? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So point number one, wrath is coming. That's, there's, there's no way to get around that, right? We, we talk about this often. It's the idea that, that we, we can't get around wrath, right? Now, we can be saved from wrath because of Jesus, but we can't get around that truth that, that wrath is coming. There's a day of judgment. And it's because of that and that reality that grace is so sweet. It tastes so good. It's why we praise Jesus. Because Jesus didn't just save us. He didn't just die for us for no reason. No, he, he came that we may have life and have it abundantly, right? Eternally. It never ends. It's always existing. So this reality is, is very true. And then so these first three verses pick up and um, scholars don't know whether they're really supposed to go with chapter 10 because back then they didn't just break it up in chapters. Right. And, and they put it here in chapter 11. So I'm going to open up here and, and remember that uh, it, it's coming out here of, of God reminding them that there is this day of judgment coming. Judgment will come indeed, but his people would be restored. So these first three verses says, open your doors, O Lebanon that your fire may devour your cedars. Well, Cyprus, for the cedar has fallen, for the glorious trees are ruined. Well, old oaks of Bethshem, for the thick forest has been felled. The sound of the wall of the shepherds, for their glory is ruined. The sound of the roar of the lions, for the thicket of the Jordan is ruined. Ruined. God is, is, is taking these things and, and doing away with them. The things of the world are being do, done away with. The shepherds will be of the past when the Lord comes again. And he it keeps going. And verse 4, thus says the Lord my God, become shepherd of the flock, doomed to what? Slaughter. Those who buy them, slaughter them and go unpunished. And those who sell them say, blessed be the Lord. I have become rich and their own shepherds have no pity on them. For I will no longer have pity on the inhabitants of this land, declares the Lord. Behold, I will cause each of them to fall into the hand of his neighbor and each into the hand of his king. And they shall crush the land and I will deliver none from their hand. Now, this seems good to those who think things seem good to those who have placed themselves around covenant things without being a part of the covenant community. What I mean by that is, is those who place themselves in covenant things or around covenant things. This seems good. Now, you can place yourself in the church. You can go to a church. Maybe some of you all uh, have this experience where you actually played church for a lot of your life. Like maybe it was just a year, but you realize like I was just playing church. And then you came to surrender your life to Christ. But you were just playing church for a while. Maybe some of you will come to that realization now or later, but come to that realization that you can't play church. And when you do that, things will seem better than it does out there, right? It'll seem better than the ways of the world because you've placed yourself around covenant things that have covenant promises for the covenant people. There's been this, leading up to this point in chapter 11, there's been this eye on hope, right? Have your hope set on the glory of Christ. For glory, the glory is in your midst. 
I'm, I'm establishing my presence with you again. Rebuild this temple. It's going to be beautiful. The land will be that land that I've promised. It's flowing with milk and honey. It'll be a great place to be. But then they get this, this contrast here, this, this stark reality that if they are not really God's people, just like we talk about here in the New Covenant, that you can play church without being a part of the actual capital C church. This was the reality they were facing then. All the hope and the glory seems good. You, you go to church and it feels good. But are you actually a part of the covenant people? Are you actually a part of the covenant? Are you apart from the covenant? Because they've been playing church for a while. And what's crazy is, is Zechariah, it doesn't even make it to the end. And, and there's already this, this warning that you're falling back into the rebellion of your forefathers. You're going back. They had seen the foundation of the temple laid. They let it rest. Zechariah is raised up as a prophet. They begin the work and they're going to finish the work. But the reality is, and the Lord reminds them that they are going to fall away again. And they're going to be given over to their sin. They're going to be given over to bad leaders and Jesus is going to come on the scene and they're going to deny the Messiah. They are going to deny the good shepherd and give themselves up to false teachers. And what's crazy is, and I, I try and remind us of this, when you read the Old Testament, don't think that we are far separated from that reality. We are far separated from that time in history, but not from that reality, not from that truth. We do the same things in our life. We turn ourselves to false teachers because it's easier. And prophets were not raised up to, to uh, please the ears of the listeners, but instead to penetrate the heart of God's people that they may turn and praise their God. So the reality for them is that wrath was coming even to those who were pretending to be a part of the covenant community. The command here is to Zechariah, become shepherd of the flock doomed to slaughter. Now he is a picture of the one to come, Jesus. Jesus is the one who came to be the good shepherd to the flock led to the slaughter. He came to his people and his people did what? They rejected him. So Zechariah is told, be a shepherd of the flock doomed to slaughter. That was Michigan football team for 10 years, right? Like Jim Harbaugh, the, hey, man, like, can you take over this football team? Right? Can I, hey, right, Joe? You know what I'm saying? And he's like, hey, Harbaugh, here, you can take this team. And it's like, who wants to take that team? It's just like a flock led to the slaughter, right? It's just for 10 years, it's just like they've just been beat up. And God's people Church had been like that. They were a flock led to the slaughter because they were denying the truths of the gospel. They were denying the coming Messiah. They were denying the promises that God had given to them. Now they're faced with this reality that wrath is coming. Not just the end wrath, the judgment day, but this 400 years of silence they were about to receive until Jesus came on the scene. Isaiah 26.1 says, in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. God is going to establish salvation in the city in which they stand. And they are going to deny it. They're denying the fact that this wrath is coming. They're denying the truth 
that God had laid before them. And they've given themselves to false teachers. And it says, those who buy them, slaughter them and go unpunished. And those who sell them say, blessed be the Lord. I've become rich. And their own shepherds have no pity on them. And then God, what does he say? For I will no longer have pity on the inhabitants of this land, declares the Lord. Behold, I will cause each one of them to fall into the hand of his neighbor and each into the hand of his king. And they shall crush the land and I will deliver none from their hand. This was the reality that they were facing is not just the end judgment, but this judgment where God was going to use that to draw them to himself, to show his power and his might. He says, no more pity. No more pity, no more compassion on this people. Why? Because they needed to reform the ways. Point number two. See, wrath is coming, and the reason wrath is coming is because we live in a fallen, broken world where every single one of us is a sinner. Every one of us. We all sin. We sin differently, but we sin the same. And that we sin against the Holy God. Every time we sin, it's not just against man. When, when we sin against one another, we are told to repent to one another. But because we are we are sinning against God when we sin against one another. It's not just with each other. It's before God who has called us to love and care for one another. And he's saying we need to reform these ways, these ways are going to lead you to your damnation or your salvation. That's either you're going to trust in the ways of man or you're going to rest in the finished work of Christ. Reform the ways. That's the prophet's main objective, calling the people back to the way of God. Reform what they've been doing. Change it. It picks up here in verse 7. Zechariah answers the call. He says, so I became a shepherd of the flock doomed to be slaughtered by the sheep traders. And I took two staffs, one named favor and the other I named union. And I tended the sheep. And one month I destroyed three shepherds, but I became impatient with them. And they also detested me. So you have these two staffs and they believe these are symbolic. So favor would be that of like grace uh, this word's also used of God himself, like literally to describe God in Psalm uh, 27, verse 4, and Psalm 90, verse 17, if you want to refer to those later. The staff is symbolic of the grace that God has shown to his people in his covenant. He did that not only in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament, continually showing his grace and his mercy. Don't separate a gracious God um, of the Old Testament from the God of the New Testament. God is not just gracious in the New Testament. He's been gracious and will always be gracious for he is grace himself. Union, the other staff, or unity. So this is the unity of the divided nation. It's part of the promise of the new covenant where you see that, that Judah and Jerusalem, that, that they were divided. God's people were divided, but he is uniting them in the gospel. And not just the nation itself, but the world, all of God's creation being united now in the gospel, that the gospel has now been extended even to the Gentile people who were once far from him. And then he says in, in verse eight, in one month, I destroyed the three shepherds. We're not sure what the three shepherds represented. Uh, it's up for debate of Zachariah's time. 
But because Zechariah represents the coming Messiah, we do know for sure that Christ is king and ruler of all and that he stands on all authority, all government. He reigns supreme. Revelation 2, verse 27 says, and he will rule them with an, a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my fathers. Jesus, Jesus reigns supreme. Jesus is the ultimate authority. See, their ways were wicked while claiming to be God's nation, God's people. It says, in one month I destroyed three shepherds, but I became impatient with them. And they also detested me. So I said, I will not be your shepherd. What is to die, let it die. What is to be destroyed, let it be destroyed. And those who are left devour the flesh of one another. See, Jesus was coming to reign and reign supreme. Jesus was coming to draw him people and save his people from their sins. And we get to look back on that, but this was the hope that they had of the coming Messiah. And this is the reality that they're facing is that wrath was coming and they needed to reform their ways because they were claiming to be God's people, yet being wicked. They were oppressing brothers and sisters. They were oppressing their very own nation, not just those outside, but even one another. See, how often do we do these things? Claiming to know Christ, claiming Jesus is Lord over our life, but acting just like those outside of God's covenant people. And it's all in the name of the gospel, right? We, 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 we've gone from, hey, yeah, I, I have a beer with my neighbor and like that, like that gives me an opportunity to, to witness. And it went from that to like, now I just commit all kinds of sins, but hey, it's all for the sake of the gospel that I do this so that I can, I can win some, right? But Jesus didn't want us to get involved in sin. He wanted us to be involved in the sinner's life. Right? He doesn't want us to commit these egregious things that are unholy and unrighteous and, and flat out wrong and the things that Jesus came to save us from so that we could win people to himself. Church, we don't win anybody. Jesus is drawing people to himself by the work of his spirit. We are the messengers. We are the mouthpiece. We are the megaphone going out and proclaiming the righteousness of Christ to all creation. But if we go out and we live like everyone else, then what is the point? Grace has lost its taste. Talk about the wrath and talk about the reform. Wrath is coming, so reform. Believe in Jesus. How often do we do these things? Claiming to know Christ and living like the world. I'll give a quick example. Colossians 4, verse 6, talks about the way that we ought to talk as believers. It says, let your speech always be what, church? Gracious, seasoned with what? Salt. I know you all know what salt is. We just passed Thanksgiving. I take mashed potatoes. I dump my corn on it. A lot of salt. It's not that the corn and mashed potatoes are bad. It's just that salt is just it's what I do, right? Just put a pile of salt. So seasoned with salt, it's good. It's, it's tasteful, right? It's, it, it's delicious. So that you may know how you ought to answer each Person. So that's how we are supposed to speak and use our words. But James 3 verses 9 through 12 tells us what we do with our words often. It says with it, our mouth, our tongue, right? 
We bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who were made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Proclaiming Christ as Lord over our life. When that word, Jesus has told us to use our words to proclaim his goodness, to care for people, to love them, to call them to repentance. But instead of calling them to repentance, we're indulging in wickedness with our words, praising Jesus. You're a good father, right? We're singing that. But then what will we call that family member that made us mad on Thursday? As soon as we leave here, we'll call him. Yeah. Did you hear what cousin Sally did? And we start throwing out names that shouldn't be said. How else in our life do we do these things? What are some other things that we're we're not reforming in? It's not just our words, it's our actions. It's our idolatry. It's the things that we've placed before the Lord, our God. Reform it. It means repent, turn from it, change it. Now, don't let this be like a, I'm hammering on you, right? Like this hurts. It hurts for me. Like I, there's things that I have to change that come natural to me because my, my nature is wicked. But Jesus didn't come that we may stay wicked. He imputed his righteousness to us on our behalf. When the father looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees the righteousness of Christ. Praise be to God for that. See, the prophets, and um, they were detested. Jesus was detested. These prophets were detested because they called people to righteousness. And they reject their Savior. And one month I destroyed the three shepherds, but I became impatient with them. And they also detested me. So I said, I will not be your shepherd. Remember, now think about this. This is Zechariah, but think about it in the eyes of Jesus. Because Zechariah is representing Jesus there. It says, I will not be your shepherd. What is to die, let it die. What is to be destroyed, let it be destroyed. And let those who are left devour the flesh of one another. And I took my staff favor and broke it, annulling the covenant that I had made with all the peoples. So it was annulled on that day. And the sheep traders who were watching me knew that it was the word of the Lord. Then I said to them, if it seems good to you, give me my wages. But if not, keep them. And they weighed out as my wages 30 pieces of silver. Then the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter. The lordly price at which I was priced by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. The rejected Messiah is seen here. This was the price of the slave and it was the price that was given for our Lord's head. What did, what did Judas do with it? Matthew 26, 14 through 16. Then one of the 12, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. And he threw, he threw him. He knew what he had done. This nation knew what they were doing. They knew that they were rejecting, not the word of the prophet, but it, what did it say? It says they knew, they knew that this was the word of the Lord. 
says the sheep traders who were watching me. This was a big job, knew that it was the word of the Lord, that Zechariah wasn't acting on his own accord. This was from God himself. This is, Pay me out. Pay me. I'll be gone. They give him the wage of a slave. Verse 14, then I broke my second staff union, annulling the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. This is what they were getting ready to deal with. That Christ was their stumbling block and they were not going to get over it. Their eyes were blinded. The veil was being placed before them. And it's because they were not reforming. They were not heeding to the word of the Lord. Ultimately, church, they were not resting in the good shepherd. Point number three, we ought to rest in the good shepherd. They had placed all their trust and hope in all these other political leaders and all these, these shepherds and, and prophets and people that God had raised up not, not to, to, to be the focus and the point of attention, but to draw people and point people back to God. We rest in so much. We'll find rest in, in books that we've read. And like that book was so good and it got me through a season. And, and believe me, I, I know from experience that there are plenty of books that will help get you through things, right? But ultimately, what we ought to rest in is the word of the Lord, the finished work of Christ on the cross, the hope that we have in Jesus and his second coming. And that ought to lead us to be changed in all of our actions and in all of our being, that we would be conformed into the likeness of Jesus, no longer oppressing our neighbor and no longer oppressing the nations, but going out and having compassion and pointing people back to the goodness of God. Rest in the good shepherd. Then the Lord said to me, take once more the equipment of a foolish shepherd. For behold, I am raising up in the land a shepherd who does not care for those being destroyed or seek the young or heal the maimed or nourish the healthy, but devours the flesh of the fat ones, tearing off even their hoofs. Woe to my worthless shepherd who deserts the flock. May the sword strike his arm and his right eye. Let his arm be wholly withered. And right eye utterly blinded. It goes back to the shepherd here, right? That we all have a responsibility. And one of your biggest responsibilities, church, is to make sure that the word is being faithfully proclaimed. Because if it's not being faithfully proclaimed, we as a whole will be a flock led to the slaughter. We will be those playing the church and being part of the visible church while never being a part of the capital C church. Because we've never rested in the good shepherd. We've rested in all the, the, the good, positive quotes, all the inspirational things, the things that you, you want to know what I'm talking about. Take a trip to uh, Hobby Lobby tomorrow when it opens back up, right? Hobby Lobby's closed on Sunday. Am I right? Okay, cool. Amen. Amen. Someone still does it right. Chick-fil-A, I wish the Lord would uh, give them a vision to open up at noon or something. That would be great. The Hobby Lobby, you go in on Monday, you'll see all those inspirational things, right? You see all these, these Bible verses and, and people, I've, I've, I've gone to people's houses, I know that they reject the Lord, but hey, it's a good quote, let's just put it up on, we'll, we'll hodgepodge it and we'll, we'll do all the, the cool crafty things and like we'll make it all look really sweet in the house and it's going to feel comfortable and it does feel comfortable. Being around the word of the Lord is comfortable, it is encouraging, it is good because it is holy, because it is from God and to God's people. Those are good things to have up. 
But when you ignore the reality that wrath is coming and that that wrath reminds us that it's coming because we haven't reformed our ways, we haven't repented and trusted in the Lord, and we haven't rested in the good shepherd, then we're doing it in vain. These verses here, 15 through 17, they represent the outcome of this nation's rejection of Christ. But church, don't let that, uh, your eyes be focused on Israel and what Israel went through. Church, Jesus is coming back and we will be like that of the nation of Israel if we don't reform our ways and rest in the good shepherd. And see, God still has a plan for his people. He still has a plan for that land. But he is coming back. And on the day of judgment, wrath will be poured out. To those who know him, Christ is seen in you because of what Christ did. But as long as we continue to reject the good shepherd, reject Jesus Christ as our Lord and prove that by reforming our ways. Prove that by understanding and proclaiming the reality of the the wrath that ensues, right? That, That lies ahead. We must do those things. We must rest in Him. We must find peace in Him. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says this. So this is what Jesus does, right? Wrath is, is coming. We know that. To wait for His Son, it says here, from heaven, whom He raised from the dead. Jesus who delivers us from the what, church? Wrath to come. Jesus came so that we may be delivered. Not that, that he just would stop wrath, right? I'd love to just be able to just stop wrath without like ever doing anything. Just that, that would be great, right? I did like a coffee pop-up yesterday. I forgot all kinds of things. And you know what that means for you husbands when you forget things. Your wife knows that you were going to forget them. And she has to be the superhero of the day. And Nelson comes over early while my wife is taking care of all my problems. And I'm like, man, nothing like starting a business to, to cause marital strife. And he's like, ah, oh, man, marital strife. Like, yeah, it is tough. And I was like, it's actually all my fault. I forgot things. It's not just, not just the tension of a business, right? Uh, which which you, maybe you're feeling, right? Maybe we could have, maybe you felt good and you're like, man, we can empathize with one another. We, we can't because I messed up. It's just on me, right? It's like not actually any tension. And what I had to do was just like admit my wrong. And like, that's so tough to do is to, to swallow our pride and actually reform our ways and, and rest in the solution of the problem. And the only solution for our souls is our savior, Jesus. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. We'll finish with a song and and praise our Savior and sing to our Savior and of our Savior. But church, this is the reality that they face and we must not forget the reality that we also face. To us as Christians, reform your ways. Live like Jesus saved you. Live like Jesus hung on the cross and died for you. Live like Jesus came in a manger, lived a perfect life so that he could die on the cross, taking the wrath of God on your place if you believe in him. To those of you who don't know him, repent and believe today. He's a good and gracious God. He does not forget his promise. He does not forget his covenant and he does not forget his people. To all those who believe will not perish. Not an ounce. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy church of our life. He doesn't ask you to die for him. He asks you to live for him. So how this week can we begin to live for him? What is, what is something that you're, you're not reforming? Maybe you didn't think about that until today. 
There's something in your life that just needs to change. Maybe it's, it's your words, your actions. It's the way uh, you treat your neighbor. It's the fact that you don't know your neighbor's name. If, we, if we're going to love our neighbor, how can we love them without knowing their name? Remember, we've talked about this often here too. Don't just try and oversimplify the love your neighbor by saying, well, I just gotta love everybody because everybody's my neighbor. No, Jesus has sovereignly placed you where he's placed you. Love that neighbor to your left, to your right, front, behind, across the street. If you all live on big property, I don't want to hear it. You take your four-wheeler and you go get to know your neighbor, right? Like some of you all have the luxury of having land. I know that you have the luxury of having a four-wheeler, right? You have a four-wheeler? No. Golf cart. Golf cart. Hey, you got a golf cart. That, that's way better. Not in the wintertime, but that's way better. You get chains on the tires? Can... No, I should, no. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I didn't... forgot you had a golf cart. That's sweet. Church, we need to, to remember the goodness of God and the way that we live. So what is that thing this week that you can reform? Not just to check it off the list, to be a part of the, the lowercase c church, to be a good member at New Hill Church, right? But something you can reform to proclaim the holiness of God over your life and to all creation. Church, if you would go ahead and stand, we're going to sing this last song. Remember the work of Jesus on the the cross and what the good shepherd came to do. The good shepherd church lays down his life for his sheep. We know his voice and we answer when he calls. Father God, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that it would be evident that it's your word. Uh, As we read from Zechariah, God, I pray that you would just correct anything that went out. um, Any any words, um, God, that, that shouldn't be remembered, God, just help us to remember your word. Help us to remember your goodness. And God, as we reflect on your goodness, may we remember your wrath. God, you are a judge. You are the true judge. And one day you're coming back in judgment, and that's what makes his grace so good. So remind us of that reality. Send us out as your people to proclaim your righteousness, your holiness, and God, to proclaim the good news that Jesus came. And as we enter in this season, we remember Jesus is coming. But God, I pray that we would remember Jesus' words on earth as he called your people Oh, Father, to yourself, that he loved them, but reminded them of the truth. God, he had compassion, but he reminded them of the reality that those who don't know you will be separated for all eternity. God, as we do that, Lord, we pray that you would just show us those open doors and you would draw people to yourself. But God, we wouldn't be worried about who's being drawn and and who's believing and who's not believing. We would be faithful to the message you've called us to proclaim, that we would do it, that we would let our words be seasoned with salt, that they'd be gracious. We'd have compassionate words. But we'd be bold. Would your spirit give us boldness to stand on these truths without wavering? Father, thank you so much for all that you've done in our life. We praise you, we praise you, we praise you, oh God. Lead us this week. Help uh, the rest of our church who's traveling, those who are under the weather, Lord, that you would be with them, you would strengthen them. God, and that this would just be a season of remembrance of the coming of our Messiah, our good shepherd. May we rest all our hope in him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us sing.